0: Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Good day, everybody. This is Kyle Klarich, uh, a member of the Department of Cardiovascular Medicine in Rochester, Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic. And I'm here today uh, with one of our surgeons who happens to be Juan Crestinello. Not only is he one of our stellar surgeons, but he is the chair of the Department of Cardiovascular Surgery and the professor of surgery. And today we're going to take on the topic of surgical planning for bioprosthetic implantation with a view towards future transcatheter valve and valve implantations. So, Juan, great to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Happy to be here.
0: How often do you think a valve-in-valve is performed now compared with a redo aortic valve replacement? I think a lot of our patients are saying, gosh, can't you just put the valve in through my leg instead of through my chest? And so now we're talking about valve-in-valve. Can you talk a little bit about the the relative um, ratio of what we're seeing?
1: Yeah so tawar has really revolutionized the treatment of a, aortic stenosis both native aortic valve stenosis as well as a prosthetic a, aortic valve stenosis and nowadays for both native aortic valve stenosis and for prosthetic aortic valve stenosis tower is the is the most popular treatment just to give you an example in in 2019 there were around uh, 2,000 redo aortic valve replacements done in the country, and around uh, 4,000 valve in valve in valves for um, aortic prosthesis uh, deterioration. So it's uh, twice as common as a surgical aortic valve replacement. Wow,
0: that I had I had not known that until you just said it right now. I could feel it in our practice as we see the pressure from our patients to go that route. So that's a very important data. What do you think the limitation that prevent the performance of a valve-in-valve? So if a patient was asking for one, but we say, no, we should do a redo, what are the what are the parameters there?
1: Well, we are uh, mostly limited because of uh, anatomic uh, reasons at the level of the root. So when we consider a valve-in-valve, we need to consider, number one, the size of the prosthesis, and number two, a, what is around the prosthesis. So in terms of the size of the prosthesis, we doing a valve in valve, we place an, a new a, a tower valve inside that valve. So if that valve is smaller to start with, then we're gonna have to place a smaller valve and that will lead to elevated gradient. So that's one of the limitations. That can be to a, to a certain degree alleviated by fracturing the stent of the aortic prosthesis, but that's not possible for everybody. That's one consideration. The other consideration is what is around the valve. As you know, around the aortic root, uh, there are the coronary arteries, the sinus of Valsalva, and the displacement of the leaflets of the old bioprosthesis can lead to occlusion of the coronary arteries, either by directly Uh, Obstructing the ocean of the coronary arteries or by compromising the inflow of blood into the sinuses of valsalva. So therefore, it's very important to, before doing these procedures, evaluate the location of the coronary arteries, the distances from the leaflets and the virtual annulus to the coronary ostium, the height, and size of the sinus of Valsalva and the size of the sinotubular junction, and plan the procedure appropriately in order to prevent this catastrophic complication that frequently is very uncommon because we have learned on whom to, perf- to avoid these procedures to, in order to avoid this type of catastrophic complication.
0: And, it's, and those measurements are made primarily off of a CAT scan that's directed a cardiac cat scan, CAT scan that's directed at TAVR valves or valve-in-valve valve in these situations?
1: Yeah, sure, correct. So we uh, every patient who is being considered for a valve-in-valve get a what we call a TAVR CT, which is a cardiac CT angiogram, which is gated. Uh, we do very sophisticated measurements of the size of the valve, the simulation of the deployment of the, uh, tower prosthesis and the distances between the virtual annulus and the ocean of the coronary arteries, as well as the sizes of the sinuses of our the sinotubular junction size, the height of the coronary arteries and the height of the sinotubular junction. So all these measures help us to determine the risk of coronary obstruction.
0: And what is the average risk of that, or or do we just completely avoid it because we know that we don't even try it in patients that would be at risk?
1: Well, patients who are at risk of coronary uh, obstruction, uh, it depends what what the overall situation of the patient is. If the patient is a a relatively acceptable surgical risk, can be considered for, for surgery, Otherwise, other measures like a, a basilica procedure, which is a laceration of the leaflets of the aortic valve prosthesis, that allows for the placement of a valve in valve and decrease the risk of a coronary obstruction.
0: Okay, well that's good to know. Those are very sophisticated measurements and sophisticated risk-benefit discussions that we have to have with our patients each time. You know, I think you already touched on this slightly, but is what is the risk of the patient prosthesis mismatch when you do place, you know, a valve inside another valve?
1: Well, as you as you probably know, the majority, uh, about seventy five percent of the patients who have uh, aortic valve replacement, uh, surgical aortic valve replacement, get a uh, valve that is twenty three millimeter or smaller. As a consequence of that, just to start with, about the 70% or so of the patients already have some degree of patient prosthesis mismatch. That means that the gradient across the aortic prosthesis is already elevated. So by placing a valve inside the valve, the gradient is going to be even higher. Although we remove the aortic stenosis, the baseline size is is already small, It's, it's going to be uh, higher. So in, um, the it's not uncommon to have some degree of patient prosthesis mismatch in uh, the valve valve procedures. And in, in general, the mean gradients in the aortic prosthesis after doing the valve-in-valve valve are around 20 millimeters of mercury or so compared to the single digits on tower or surgical prosthesis.
0: So pretty much everyone will have a little bit of patient of, of increased gradient and maybe some patient prosthesis mismatch, but it wouldn't be necessarily limiting their overall um, ability to get the procedure.
1: No, and that that's why it's important when we see a young patient on whom we are um, we promise that we're gonna do a valve in valve in the future, or or we suggest that to choose a tissue valve. Because of the possibility of valve by valve in the future, to place a large valve to avoid this problem in the in the future.
0: And are there certain things at the time of the original AVR in a younger patient that would be getting a prosthesis in their fifth or fourth decade that would that you would do to allow the valve and valve in the future?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. Number one is to place the largest valve that we can place. And if we cannot place at least a 23-millimeter valve, we normally perform a root enlargement. And also taking consideration the location of the coronary arteries and the size of the center junction as we close the aorta, which are also an important considerations to prevent compromise of the coronary arteries in the future when a valve valve is performed. So doing a root enlargement on those patients uh, we clo- uh, or closing the aorta with a pericardial patch would enlarge the sinusoidal salve and the sinotubular junction and increase the distances between the leaflets and the coronary ostium and therefore will increase the likelihood of uh, doing a valve-in-valve in the future.
0: Well, that's great. And it's interesting now that we're actually planning you know, a couple decades down the road for some of these patients um, as we as we do their first aortic valve replacement. Well, that was a very nice discussion. Um, Is there any closing comments that you'd like to make about this uh, planning for the valve and valve in the future when doing the first bioprosthetic implantation?
1: No, just to um, summarize, um, number one is to place the largest valve that we can place. And number two, be conscious about the position of the coronary arteries and this, the sizes of the sinus of Valsalva once we close the aortotomy, just to make sure that there's no compromise of the coronary arteries when we do a valve, valve in the future. So paying attention to those key factors is really important to be able to uh, fulfill the promise of a valve in, valve in the future.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much. This has been a very nice conversation and I appreciate your expertise. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME Podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic.